Hello, producer Maureen McMurray. Hello, host Virginia Prescott. So what fun writerly, foodish thing have you got for us today? Okay, so did you know that aside from being a beat poet, Allen Ginsberg was really into making soup? Uh, not what I would have guessed. He was. You can go to Tablet Magazine's website, and there's a handwritten recipe for cold summer borscht right there. Do you have to recite all of Howell while making it? <laughs> I, don't, I, I hope not. Maybe. You know, it's been unseasonably warm here. Suddenly, maybe cold borscht would be just the thing. Well, you can check out that recipe on their website, or you could get some great fresh inspiration from Blue Apron. I just put an order in and I am really looking forward to the asparagus and summer squash curry. Sounds seasonably perfect. Well, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash 10 minute. That's blueapron.com slash 10 minute. Yeah, I am a total Blue Apron convert. It has totally kickstarted my uh, cooking in the kitchen. You will really love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash 10 minute. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I'm Anita Shreve, and this is the 10-Minute Writer's Workshop. And I'm Virginia Prescott. Anita Shreve had a small but devoted following as a literary author when her second novel, The Pilot's Wife, was named an Oprah Book Club pick. That recognition propelled her onto the coveted list as a New York Times best-selling novelist. Just two days after her 18th novel, The Stars Are Fire, was released this spring, Anita Shreve canceled her extensive book tour later writing on her Facebook page that she would be undergoing chemotherapy. Her new novel uses wildfires that raged through coastal Maine in 1947 as the backdrop for a story of one woman's extraordinary resilience. She joined us to talk about the novel and her writing process at the NHPR studios, and I asked her where she found her inspiration. I'll have a story in my mind, such as The Great Fire of 47, which engulfed the Maine coast, and I read a book about it about 10 years ago, and there was a detail that stuck in my mind about how some of the women and men had to go into the sea to save themselves. And that detail bubbled up to the surface about three years ago, and I thought, okay, woman with two children has to go into the sea to save herself, troubled marriage before, during, after, and that was it. And then when I need to know details, you know, some things I had to know, needed to know a lot about the fire, for example, to make sure I was on certain ground. I did a lot of research at the Portland Press Herald. They reported the story for a good 10 days on the front page. In those days, newspapers tended to be kind of folksy and anecdotal. So it was a great way to get those stories. And also the photographs were uh, that when they say a photograph is worth a thousand words, it might be an equal occasion, um, equation in, in terms of a fiction writer. You were a journalist early on. How yes, did, how did I you was. make that jump to fiction writing? Uh, I was a journalist um, more or less by, by necessity. I could make a living writing. And in New York at the time, that seemed like a sensible thing to do. But in my heart, I knew, even though no one else did, I knew that I would be a better fiction writer than I was a nonfiction writer. And I'd written a lot of nonfiction pieces for magazines, and some of them had turned into books. And I said to my agent, I think I'd like to write a novel. And she said, don't. 
And I said, why? And she said, I wish I had a nickel for every good nonfiction writer who can make a living, who wants to write a novel and therefore ruins her career. So I wrote the novel in secret and didn't tell anybody, (laughs) even my husband, because I was so afraid if someone looked askance or said what she said. And then when it was done, I showed it to my agent, and she sold it for a very modest amount of money, but it was enough to allow me to turn the corner. Oh, I'm so glad you did that in secret. (laughs) (laughs) We're all the much richer for it. So for you, which is harder? Is it starting a novel, getting that first idea that you're going with, or or, or finishing it, rounding it to the end? Uh, Neither. Um, There is a... uh, a point in the novel, and it's usually around page 262. And um, if I may be allowed to say this, it's what my friend Eleanor Lippman refers to as piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you you say to yourself, oh, my God, this, is, um, this isn't going to work out. This is terrible. What was I thinking? I can't even remember why I started this. But, of course, you have to keep going because you've written more than more than half the book at that point, definitely. And the end is often very wonderful to write. So at that page 262 point, yeah. when, you're, when you're in the depths of despair, it yeah. sounds like, how do you keep going? Do you just know it's going to work out? You know, this is part of my process. It's page 262. Well, I have to keep going because I know the ending. So I have to get from this place of despair to the place where it will, the momentum will pick me up. And often it's a sign. Well, let's punch it up right now. Hmm. Let's, let's do something right now. So do you share your work? Do you let someone else see that and help you Never. thrash it through? No. Never. Uh, because I wrote the first novel in secret, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I write them all that way. And when, when I'm done, when, I, when I'm finished, as far as I'm concerned, the best I can do, then I let my husband read it, and then I send it to my editor and agent. So how do you know when you're done, when you've hit that ending mark that you had you in your mind? You feel it. You feel it. And you feel it in the same way... You know, I write every morning. I go, I go to the desk. You know, I originally did that because I had children. And as soon as they were out the door, I had to start whether I had my bathrobe on or not. And there was a period of time, and, and I didn't always know it in the beginning, but I know it now. You can feel it in your bones that to write another word is a mistake. And you learn this because when you go to the draft of what you've written the day before, the last two pages you end up Xing out mm-hmm. if you if you don't heed that. So a couple of your novels now, have, a few of them have been made into films, The Weight of Water, Resistance, um, The Pilot's Wife, yes. either um, yes. for television or feature films. Tell me a little bit about that process of having your work picked up by somebody else. Did you write those screenplays? Were you involved? Well, no. In the In the case of The Weight of Water... Um, which was directed by Catherine Bigelow. I was invited to meetings in New York uh, with the with the screenwriter. They asked me a lot of information. They she was she was detailed. She was exquisite. She created a house that was exact replica. She sent away to Norway for the fabric for the dresses so it would be authentic. And that in that I was involved to some extent, um, and we, my husband and I did go up and visit the set. The third movie, I had a very interesting experience with the third movie, which is called Resistance. Uh, I was at a cocktail party in Long Meadow, and this woman came up to me and said, oh, I loved your movie Resistance. 
And I said, well, it's not my movie. You know, there are a lot of things called, there was a French resistance that was blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, no, it was your movie. It had your name on it. And I, I, I was very taken aback. And I said, where did you see it? I'm already getting hot <laughs> under the collar because I'm thinking there was a screening and they didn't invite me. And she said, oh, my husband and I rented it on Netflix. What? True story. And uh, But you hadn't sold the rights to it? I, well, I had sold the right. When you sell it outright. I see. You when you sell it exactly. outright, you, you're wiped off the map unless there's a courtesy extended to you. But it is very unusual for my agent not to have been notified, for me not to have been notified. I mean, it, it just went beyond the pale in a way. At some level, after writing a novel, you do you feel like you just have to let go of it and let it live in the world in its own way? You, you do. You do. You let go and people have various interpretations. People like it. Some people don't like it. Uh, you ha- and, you, and you have to let that go because it could you know, if you went on Amazon, you'd drive yourself mad. Do you ever do that? Do you look at those reviews? I did once, and that that was it. <laughs> well, you have such a track record. You've written, you know, so many novels now, bestsellers, and have a, a passionate following. Just here at the station, we have a number of people today who said, oh, I re- I'm reading her book. <laughs> so for a new writer of any kind, what what would your advice be to them? There is something called the writer's market, and you you ought to be very knowledgeable about the kind of writing that you've done. And you can look in that very thick book for agents who publish the same kind of thing that you have written. If you've written science fiction, don't send it to a literary agent. Send it to someone who publishes a lot of science fiction. So you write a lot about the lives of women. So many women characters have come out of your books. Who who would you like to write the book about Anita Shreve? Oh my gosh, I can't even think about that because <laughs> I wouldn't it would seem like such a burden to have to ask someone to write that book. Uh it's somebody I don't know. Uh it's somebody with whom I would share some qualities. Um and I would hope it would be somebody who was liked my writing. <laughs> Anita Shreve, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Anita Shreve, author of now 18 novels. Her latest, The Stars Are Fire, is now out. On her Facebook page, Anita Shreve wrote that she was heartbroken that chemotherapy treatments would keep her from her book tour this spring, but told fans, it would thrill me to hear from you as I recover. So please, chime in with your good wishes on her Facebook page. We'll put a link to it on our website. The 10-Minute Writers' Workshop is a production of NHPR. This episode was produced by Sarah Plort with help from Maureen McMurray. Music from Tyler Gibbons. Need to get those creative juices flowing? Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Inspiring advice will be delivered right to you every other week. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Until next time, I'm Virginia Prescott. Thanks so much for listening.